This is the Education Gadfly Show. Totally forgot about the scene where the guy's face melts. That was terrifying to the six-year-old. <laughs> what does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming my co-host, the barb of education reform, Alyssa Schwenk. Thank you, thank you, Mike. Happy to be here. I have no idea what that <laughs> refers to. We did just spoon feed that to you, yes. You uh, so, are you familiar with Stranger Things, the new Netflix show? I have heard about that. I actually just last week heard about it when, at a staff lunch, I asked people, what should I be watching on Netflix? And several of you mentioned Ice Cream Social. Ice Cream Social with beer. (laughs) With beer, uh, yes. Because let's face it, uh, you know, staff parties without alcohol are (laughs) awkward, at least in our office. I don't know about yours. Especially in Ice Cream Social. I would say I'm perfectly charming, but that would undercut my status as the Barb of Ed Reform since Barb is a little bit awkward. So Stranger Stranger Things, Things. a a big hit show on Netflix this Mm -hmm. summer. Uh, is this a family-friendly show? Can my kids watch it or no? Oldest kid, maybe. I would, you know, give him like E.T. Yeah. and Stand By Me and The Goonies first. No, probably no. Kindergartner, okay. probably not. So, so I did let them, you know, they have been Full watching, scary. they've watched the Star Wars, not the not the second trilogy, but the original trilogy and the latest movie. And I let them watch uh, Indiana Jones, which I was feeling good about until I totally forgot about the scene where the guy's face melts. That oh, yeah. was terrifying to the six-year-old. <laughs> I may have scarred him for life. <laughs> so no uh, families out there, uh, you know, maybe you give that a few few more years. Hey, by the way, speaking of TV, I have been soliciting ideas for shows to watch with your kids. So listeners, if you have them, please send them to me on Twitter at Michael Petrilli or email hmm. mpetrilli at, at excellence.net. I've been getting some good ideas. It's fascinating. Almost all of them are reality shows, you know, American Real- Warrior oh, and you know, uh, stuff on, on, you know, things like Chopped Jr. Or, uh, but almost no sitcoms or dramas. I mean, I grew up watching. There just aren't that many of them. The Brady that, Bunch, that watching Family Ties, all- The Cosby Show, which is no. a little, you know, And some are not trying to push boundaries. Right. Or, 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 or uh, uh, Little House on the Prairie. That was a good, there's Michael Landon like owned that. Well, Michael Landon owned the niche for like 40 years. Um, well, it, there's just, Blackish. Somebody mentioned that. Okay. I need to check that out. You think, again, for the young kids? That's yeah. Fresh off okay. the boat too. Yeah, both of those. Uh, you mentioned that one. Okay, that one's um, got to be on the Real O'Neill's, I think, O'Neill's? has Maybe. a good message. Are Sometimes. there kids in all of these? And there are kids and parents. You know, of course, what's new is since I was a kid is the Disney Channel, which mm-hmm. has a bunch of sitcoms. With absolutely no parents. It's like the parents are totally missing. Uh, and if you watch it as a parent, you will want to poke your eyes out. So, you know, I it's will, clearly a parent-free zone. I mean, it's, the, they're a little, I would say, classic Disney Channel at this point. But if you go deep into the archives, I'm sure they're on the internet. Lizzie McGuire, even Stevens, and the Selena Gomez one where she's a witch are all great TV oh, shows. good. Alyssa. Just throwing right. that out. I'm going to put those on the list because, hey, if it's on Netflix, it's fine. People can go back and watch the old ones. I'm even saying maybe maybe people should go back and watch the old Family Ties. Michael J. Fox, baby. Wonder uh, Years. Alex Wonder P. Years. Keaton. You Wonder would like years Alex all the P. Wonder, Or the Wonder Years. Oh we watched God, that a few a years ago. Show. Wonder Super Years. Good. Great, yeah. idea. I, Great like, idea. The last episode still make, I will start crying. Okay. okay. Let's move on. All right, people. We have a lot to cover today because on it is now time for Ed Reform Update. And we're going to cover 10 stories that you might have missed this summer, our loyal listeners. Ten so, but we didn't miss them here at Fordham because we have been hard at work. But as you get back to, to school here, as we get back in the swing, 10 stories. So I'm going to run through them real quick. This is up on our blog by Ke- uh, our colleague, Kevin. 
you know, Kevin's been with us a couple of years. I, st- I still don't know how to pronounce his last name. Mankin? Mankin? Mankin, I think. Oh. See, <laughs> this is why we have I alcohol at this the ice cream parties. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? We're going to do it David Letterman style. Number 10, education reformers find common ground. We did. We did. This was at, at back in June. This was after Robert Pendicio kind of blew up the internet uh, in the Ed Reform <laughs> movement, talking about race and ideology and all the rest. And we brought people back together again. Brought them back together sure. over the virtual virtual um, yeah. water cooler. No, I think uh, to, to check that out, video uh, that, yeah, I mean, look, there's still deep disagreements within the reform community on things beyond education reform, mm-hmm. but we can focus on our common ground. Okay. Uh, number nine, a turning point on teacher tenure. The big news is that the Vergara case has come to an end, at least in California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. And I would say quiet end. Okay. Kind of petered out towards the end. Petered. We expected this big Supreme Court case. Yeah. Appeals take a long time too, so mm-hmm. yeah. people tend to yeah. lose. Interest. So is this is this thing in terms of using the courts as a way to change tenure laws? Is that dead now, Brandon? I think in California, but yeah. um, I think every state is a different thing. Well, right? that's exactly mm-hmm. right. That's the right answer. The right answer is no. It is not dead. Uh, there's a great piece up on education next by Joshua Dunst explaining that in other states uh, the constitutions provide for other avenues uh, sure. to make the case. So, for example. Uh, you know, the same kind of language that's been used by school funding advocates uh, to say that, you know, that, that state funding systems were unconstitutional can now be used to say that tenure laws are mm-hmm. unconstitutional. At least they're going to try that. And the standard turns out a lot lower than what it was in California. Mm-hmm. Strict scrutiny is not the standard. It's yes. Good. So there it's it is. Good. Well, it's good. It's bad. I don't know. I still have well, mixed feelings good, about good using the, the courts for this reason. Yes. Yeah. I agree okay. with you. Number eight. A correspondence campaign to Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan. You know, by the end, because we published, well, Checker wrote one and then there were a couple of responses and I think Checker then wrote a second piece. And by the end of all of these letters, I had hello, Mata, hello, Fada in my head every <laughs> single time I had to tweet or write about it. Just saying that. And, and you know, what's disappointing is that nobody wrote these letters uh, long form by hand. You know, I, I would think that especially, you know, Checker maybe <laughs> you would write it by cursive, cursive, right? But no. Yes. Here's a question. Do you, think, do you think Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan read all of this? Personally? I wouldn't. Yeah. No. Really? I don't know. I have some hope. I think Maybe I'm have. just too cynical. They might have. I, I think they did. Next time we'll do a Facebook Live video to them. Should All ask right. them. Somehow. Check it out. Big, big disagreement is whether or not they should invest in school districts or just, you know, mm-hmm. give up and invest in things other than school districts like charter schools mm-hmm. or innovations that, that uh, cannot be impeded. Yeah. By bureaucratic, dysfunctional districts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they had Nowhere the Newark experience and now they're an LLC. So I'm siding with Checker on this yeah. one. All right. Number seven, the enrichment gap wins overdue attention. Of course, it was the summer. There was a lot of attention on summer mm-hmm. learning or the lack thereof. Actually, brand new study just out. We might talk about in future shows mm-hmm. uh, showing some more evidence for the importance of summer learning for poor kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made the case that we should be finding some way to get some some money to low-income families so that they can do enrichment stuff for their kids, mm-hmm. uh, especially during the summer. Okay, number six, Secretary King recommends a discipline overhaul in charter schools. This was big. Uh, this was big. We had a whole week of blogging on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was careful in his speech. I mm-hmm. thought it was pretty reasonable, but uh, boy, this is uh, an issue that gets easily demagogued, yep. doesn't it? Yep. Uh, indeed. Okay, number five, bad news for Ohio's Ed Choice program. Yet another statewide voucher program showing disappointing results on the heels of Louisiana's program doing the same. What what does this mean? Not really my forte. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon, I have no idea. Not so sure. Not not as as comfortable ground as Vergara in the courts, huh? Uh, Uh, Yeah, I mean, 
I think it shows that a this was a you know incredibly rigorous and carefully tracked study. So the group of kids that Dave Figlio ended up looking at was a very narrow group. But I think what it does show yeah. is that we need to think of better way. Like if we're going to hold schools that take voucher kids accountable, like this is something that we need to be continuing to think through. And you know we had an event with the AFC last week. Mm-hmm. Where concept of whether like what we need to hold them accountable to, like that is still also up for debate, yeah. but not as hopeful as yeah. they once. And, and we should say, look, it was not a random assignment study that was impossible in Ohio. And the good news was that it, there's some evidence that competition from vouchers is mm-hmm. get, making getting the public schools, traditional public schools, to improve. Right. But look, we did see a, a gold standard study in Louisiana showing very disappointing mm-hmm. results. A little bit better in year two, but still very low achievement. Look, it may be. That these smaller programs in cities, especially cities that have empty Catholic schools, Mm -hmm. uh, can show great results in part because the Catholic schools are pretty good. Maybe Mm -hmm. once you go statewide, it could be that some of these private schools just kind of suck. Yeah. uh, Or at least suck at teaching poor kids. Uh, But we really don't know. More research is needed. More research. More research. Always a recommendation. Hey, it's good for our industry, right? That's what we do, baby. All right. Number four, really bad news for Ohio's e-school sector. Talk about sucking. Oh, my Shut um down. Uh, Yeah. Look, these these e-schools in Ohio are pretty much terrible. Kids are, like, losing ground. Uh, Of course, it is difficult to know who's signing up for these schools. It could be that these are kids who have just experienced horrendous things in their traditional uh, public schools uh, mm-hmm. they're looking for other options but come on people they got to show some learning and now a bunch of these are are being scrutinized in ohio for the first time mm-hmm. about whether kids are even logging on and, and really doing the work uh this this looks like a big disaster bad outcomes yeah and it looks like uh pennsylvania i think is having new virtual schools legislation so yeah. a story that will continue through the school it year well number three the department of education proposes essa accountability regulations and how many people liked them? Not us. Not us. Not <laughs> anybody. What are you talking about? Everybody hated them. No. Uh, there might have been a few groups out there that liked them. Many of us some, thought they yeah. got some issues wrong, were more too prescriptive, made stuff up that wasn't in the law, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Biggest concern from our perspective is this idea that schools have to continue measuring academic achievement based on proficiency rates. See our new study. Allow a performance uh, index. Yeah. That, that's Please. a really, really stupid idea. Number two, as Kevin put it, yeesh 2016, uh, the presidential campaign. Ugh. I feel like there's a sound effect we can edit in here because it would be very appropriate. Something. Like face uh, palm. Wah, wah, wah. Kind of wah, 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 maybe. So uh, this summer, what happened? Well, we had some platforms that were finalized, both of which were pretty awful on education yep. reform. Mm-hmm. We had vice presidential picks. Uh, Tim Kaine, who's, you know... Pretty squishy on reform. It seems like his wife is pretty much dead set against it. Uh, you know, Mike Pence, really good on school choice, really bad on Common Core. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I Mixed mean, bag. the candidates have said about four words about it. Between the reform. two of them. Yeah, just not a lot of, <sighs> not a lot said on on mm. education, but with, with the brand new law, right? Yeah. yeah. Perhaps not that's, that's Can we be honest? I mean, right. these two candidates are so unpopular. That do we really don't want them embracing education reform, do we? I mean, isn't that right? Why would we tarnish the brand of ed reform? I mean, we've got a new of them. Yeah. I mean, we've got a new law in place. Let's focus on implementing it. It puts even more power back on the states to improve accountability. Let's focus there. All right. And finally, the number one story of the summer of 2016, and it's not a good one for ed reform. 
African American leadership groups versus charter schools, mm. by which we mean NAACP and some of the Black Lives Matters group calling for a moratorium on charter schools. What's up with that? I don't know. I sort of defer here or fully um, to people like Howard Fuller, who have pointed out what's wrong with this. Um, I think I understand the motivation for it, but I don't think it's the right solution to the to the problems they're trying yeah. to you know great great piece out by Darrell Bradford that's up at the 74 mm-hmm. this week uh saying hey wait a minute Black Lives Matter is supposed to be a protest movement uh what's more of a protest in education than pulling your kid out of the school they were assigned to based mm-hmm. on your address and choosing a school that you yourself want instead uh it just is hard to understand why why the black lives matter movement uh would come out against parental choice and education again other than this is sort of i don't know left wing politics i don't quite understand from my <laughs> my perch you know here on the center right uh but it's a, it's a big blow i mean when, and this is the kind of thing you know the NAACP thing was certainly something that the unions and others were working behind the scenes mm-hmm. on uh yeah it's a loss and now the reform crowd has got to figure out hey how can we uh you know get get uh, some of the other important groups in the mm-hmm. African-American Latino community to, to mm-hmm. show their support. We know the public Ednext poll continues to show huge, overwhelming support among African-Americans and Latinos for charter schools and, mm-hmm. and for vouchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not a problem about the grassroots. In this case, it's really a problem about these leadership. Yeah, there's been a lot of really thoughtful pushback, um, but it's certainly something that came at the end of the summer and it's not going to end with the summer either. All right. Well, here's hoping to a better fall for education reform than we had this summer. That's all the time we've got for Ed Reform Update. Now it's time for everybody's favorite, Amber's Research Minute. Amber, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. Hey, we were talking TV earlier. Did did you watch Stranger Things this summer? I did not. Yep. Supposedly, we should be. This is what the cool kids are in the office. Very good. Yes, Yes, I binged it all last weekend. Very good. All right. I will do that. Think back to those olden days when we were kids. And you think about sitcoms or family dramas we grew up on. Do you think any of those would still be good for kids today? Like if I went back. The Brady Bunch? I mean, that's it. Do you think my kids would be into the Brady Bunch? Or would it be too? Like, I don't know about right? that. It might be kind of dorky, right, for them to watch it now. Uh, but yeah. it's so good. And I feel like for parents, like it's so much about like teaching parents how to be good parents, too. Yeah, it is. Right? It is. The kids yeah. weren't on a bunch of, you know, they, they weren't just watching screen and time was, back then wait, in the Brady Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Don't they lose a child in the Brady Bunch in like three episodes? Like there are I definitely episodes where they like, to the best of parents, drive please. off without jam. If, but I mean, that was, <laughs> it was really a big deal back then to yeah. put a blended family on oh, TV. Sure. Now we think, well, you know, yeah. whatever but yeah. like that was a big deal yeah. but yeah. and Mr. Brady I mean he was a great role model of, of fatherhood yeah but he was doing some crazy stuff on his <laughs> personal side oh, was I'm, he? yes I'm remembering was like, yeah, I'm remembering like gay, an ABC what, 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 behind the scenes there was some, some oh, there allegations oh. yeah, is this like a Bill Cosby situation no I'm no not sure not but I don't even like to think about it because you just want the Brady uh, Bunch to be the Brady exactly. Bunch and what right? about the Cosby show can I have my kids watch no. the Cosby show oh I love the Cosby show you're not allowed to come on that was such a great show a great show, but these days I can't support it just after everything. Try it out, Mike. All right. All right. Well, I think you should try it. Okay. What you, got, under your, what, what you got? We for got us, a Amber? new Mathematica study that revisits the impact of pay for performance for educators, evaluates the teacher incentive fund, which um, was established by Congress in 2006, provides grants to support performance-based compensation for teachers and principals in high-need schools. Got a little bit of love for this because it was one of my last 
projects that I evaluated when I was at West End mm, eight years ago. Wow. Wow. And it's still being evaluated. I remember talking about it on your interview, Amber. <laughs> By golly, it's still being evaluated. All right. We are into this thing. Let me see. $1.8 billion. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ooh. God. We've supported 131 TIF grants to mm-hmm. date. Okay? okay. This one looks at the 2010 grantees. Uh, and it also looks at a subset of those grantees and had them participate in a random assignment study to figure out the impact of pay for performance on student achievement. Mm-hmm. All right. Randomly assigned to the school. And the control schools are randomly assigned to the control bleh, control schools, which had to do four components. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which was like, you know, basically got to give um, perf- um, the, the treatment growth. Yeah. And the treatment schools had to do, I'm sorry, treatment schools had to do four components. Control schools had to do three. The only thing they didn't do was the performance piece. Oh, piece. Okay. They hmm. still had to do like, you know, rate teachers according to their effectiveness and that yep. sort of thing. They just didn't get paid. Okay. Right. All right. So, um, and they also got 1%. I thought this was interesting. They also got 1% of their annual salary as a benefit from participating in the control mm-hmm. school. So they got something. All right. Five key findings. Number one, 88% of districts reported implementing at least three of those four components I just told you about. They were least likely to report offering PD to teachers and using growth and observations of school practices to measure principal effectiveness, mm. which kind of is a head scratcher, right? I guess they had some rubric where you had to walk mm. around and observe the principal in his school practices. <laughs> hmm. I would imagine that would be the most boring <laughs> I mean, right? study ever. That was what they were least likely to report doing. Okay. All right, number two, <laughs> communication was still lacking. About 40% of treatment teachers were still unaware that they could earn a performance bonus and treatment teachers also mm. thought the maximum bonus they could earn was no more than two-fifths the size of the actual maximum Eesh. bonus they could actually earn. Wait, what? Wow, that seems so, like an easy one to fix. Communication is still that big of an issue after <laughs> three God. years, right? How? Number three, yeah. most teachers, 70% received a bonus, suggesting that they did not meet the DOE requirement of being, quote, challenging to earn. Mm. And it appears that many got it via the observation component of the growth measure, not for the assessment results. So Mm -hmm. they looked at both classroom observation and the test results. Mm -hmm. But more than half the teacher actually teachers actually received a higher rating on the classroom observation than on the student achievement growth Mm -hmm. component. Mm -hmm. Hmm. All right. The average bonus was about eh, what do you think? Thousand bucks. Eighteen fifty. Which amounts to about four percent of the average teacher's salary. Less than the 5% guidance for substantial bonuses specified in TIF. Still like 5%. Is that substantial? I mean, that's really not substantial if you ask me. Right? Christmas like, presents. I will keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amber, when staff evaluations roll around. Okay. Uh, all right. And then <laughs> moving right along. At least three I thought that was quite generous myself. <laughs> at least three-fourths of principals also received a bonus. The principals got about 4000 bucks. Again, they were really not challenging to earn because we had at least 75% of everybody getting them as principals. Mm-hmm. Number four, despite initially posting better school or classroom achievement growth in year one, mm-hmm. by year three, educators in both the treatment and control schools earned similar growth ratings. So it started flattening out between oh, the treatment and the control And it was groups. really just a one-time bump and then it went well, back. Well, it was a little bump in year two, but by year mm. three, it was flat, right? Okay. So in terms of the differences. Yeah. Uh, finally, pay for performance had small positive impacts on students' math and reading achievement. After three years, the average student in a control school earned a maximum math score at approximately, this is really still sad, the 34th percentile yeah. of student achievement statewide 
The average student in a treatment school earned a score at approximately the 36th percentile. So there was a gain of two percentile points. Mm. The intervention lifted reading achievement for the average student from the 36th to the 37th Mm. percentile. So they, you know how they do their rigmarole Mm -hmm. and they say that amounts to about four weeks of additional learning in Mm -hmm. a typical year. Mm. And they were similar. So yet once again, these were similar in size to what they saw after two years. Mm -hmm. So you didn't see any additional bump in the extra third year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm left thinking, okay, there's much, there's been a lot of discussion of performance pay and Mm -hmm. how to do it right. But when you kind of water it down and give a little bit Mm -hmm. to everybody, it Mm -hmm. ends up watering down the intervention too. Yeah. You know? Now, I, I have to, uh, you know, plug Rick Hess, who once upon a time co-hosted this podcast yes. so long, long ago, uh, you know, who would always say that, look, it's not so much that you're trying to get existing teachers to work harder or boost mm-hmm. test. It's about attracting different kinds of people into the schools mm-hmm. in the first place, people who maybe would be attracted by, you know, meeting goals and hitting metrics and, you know, driving towards performance and not just right. not just the warm and fuzzy types who, uh, you know. And he also used you to say, you got to think about working right. conditions. Like, that's yeah. really what matters yeah. a lot, mm-hmm. too. Not yeah. just just a couple thousand extra bucks. I mean, DC Impact, I imagine, has had a bigger impact, mm-hmm. impact so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, now, again, I don't know how you disentangled the money from all the other aspects right. of that, but it's mm-hmm. a lot more money in uh, yeah, DC. Yeah, it's like, what, up to $20,000? Yeah, not more, right? Yeah. And it's not just bonuses. It's actually it's after your salary. After a couple years, your base up, salary goes base up, salary, up Which is really up. the key, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's where, you know, having... And it probably happens to some degree, but allowing people to play with the pay scales mm-hmm. so that you can accelerate somebody's trajectory against those common pay scales, right? right? And that's, you know, I remember when I was at the Department of Ed and under the federal system, that was something, it was called something like a quality step increase. And it basically Mm -hmm. meant you could go up, climb up the ladder earlier than you otherwise would. Hey, that's, First yeah, of all, it's, it's it's huge, it's doable, and it's it's a, it's your salary, which yeah. is so you're is skipping much a couple deal. steps right. in the yeah. stepping lane. Yeah, yeah. Right. so That's let's right. just do that for great teachers. <laughs> and let's yeah. just, by the way, principals do it and just don't tell anybody. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But I mean, what, but you're you're all for it can be classroom observations too, and not just uh, sure, reading sure, a math, sure, sure. right? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's but fine. I mean, and I don't necessarily mind that a lot of teachers are getting. I bet in most workplaces that have bonuses, most people get it because you know. Yeah. If, if you're like, okay, you don't deserve a bonus, like that's a pretty strong sign that something's wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, there should be different sizes of bonuses. Right. But and I don't know that it all has to be super public. Again, I want to, you know, principal be able to give some teacher who's phenomenal and is thinking about leaving, hey, say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to have you skip three rungs on the ladder. Uh, yeah. And really boost your pay. I want to give them the I ability. I guess what bothers me is when we're talking about a profession that lets pretty, pretty much everyone in, then do they all really deserve a bonus, right? Wow. Like, I just feel like it's more about morale right. and that sort of right. thing mm-hmm. and the collaboration that's supposed to be going on in the teaching field, which is, you know, a whole different purpose of actually giving a bonus yeah. because 75% of people deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we get paid the big bucks for that kind of piercing analysis. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> we evaluate each other around here. Yeah, we, we we have, and we force each other to be, give we, some critique. We try to We be do. Tough. We say, by golly, hard. give us two things yeah. this person needs mm-hmm. to improve upon. That's yeah. right. And it can't be, you know, they need to wear shoes, not socks. Remember we had an intern that... <laughs> I'm off on a rabbit trail. Really open, really hanging out in our dirty laundry here, aren't you, Amber? All right. Thankfully, that is all the time we've got for this week. Until next week. I'm Alyssa Schwenk. And I'm Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.